0: Don't just be a part of the industry, redefine it.
1: Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session.
0: Welcome everyone to Breaking into Cybersecurity. As you can see, Renee is not here with us today, so it's just me. And I'm introducing our amazing guest today, uh, Ty Sabon- Bono. I should have pronounced this ahead of time. It's all good. It's Spano. <laughs> Spano. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, I don't want to butcher the rest of his background, so I'll let him introduce himself and um, get this conversation going. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm Ty
1: Spano, currently the Chief Security and Trust Officer at Scisense, a uh, business intelligence company. Uh, previously, I was with Periscope Data and we were acquired uh, by Scisense back in May of this year, so I've been working through a lot of that, uh, not sleeping as much, so excuse the eyes. Uh, it is what it is, but uh, we are a global company. I went from basically a series B, navigated my way for a series uh, E organization. Uh, it's been an amazing journey, a lot of lessons learned, but uh, I could definitely talk about more about my
0: background as we kind of get into the details of things. Absolutely, well, I think first, our audience would like to know how you got into to the industry, how you got to where you are, it also lend to your credibility as they're going to be taking your advice. So um, why don't you feed them into your background?
1: Sure. So my background, I think I'm one of the earlier starts that I basically started in information security. Um, so previously, I, I'm going to just kind of kick it back, mm-hmm. early, early days. Uh, I think it was more of a breaker mentality and more a mind of curiosity. And I think I was kind of born with this mindset, and I just happened to get lucky with a career that... Uh, I would say at the very beginning, I didn't think I was going to be as lucrative as it was, but it's been very favorable as far as finding my passion, the things I care about and what I want to do with my time and the impact I want to make on the world. And with that, uh, as a teenager and single digit child, uh, my first computer uh, was a Commodore 64. You know, like it was dope. I played a lot of games, but, you know, my dad didn't use it. Uh, He was a dude that was in the air force as a recruiter and did a bunch of different jobs, bunch of different gigs. And I think I remember him going off to like desert storm. Uh, And like right before he went off, he bought us this computer and he's like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but just you figure it out. It was one of those where, where my dad didn't have an explicit, like I'm going to mentor you on these things. He just created opportunities for me. And I think that that, that's where it's really favorable Uh, kind of taking that Uh, doing all the magical things that you can do with kind of early computer systems. Uh, I I started getting into that mentality of like, how does this work? Why does it work? Uh, I looked at a lot of physical electronics, broke a lot of things, uh, unpacked them, looked at the boards. And luckily, through a lot of my latter education in high school, I had the opportunity of doing electronics, uh, AutoCAD, computer graphics, like my high school was dope Uh, and it was a public school it was an amazing experience that we got to opt into all sorts of things that helped more of the the creator mindset, critical Mm -hmm. thinking skills. And I think that allowed, uh, the easy transition into undergrad at Penn state university, uh, where I got a degree in information science and technology with a focus on security. And once I left there, uh, I was like the third class through this brand new thing, still trying to figure out what the hell to do with these young smart kids and some not so smart that just (laughs) are passionate about things. Uh, I got right into consulting, uh, so I spent two years at a small firm called Pertivity. Uh, there, there are a whole bunch of amazing mentors that led me on this path. Uh, it was really favorable, and I, I can name like a laundry list of people, but big ones like Scott La Liberty. Uh, he's still there, holding it down. Uh, I get to chat with him now and then. Uh, but people like Nick Falcone, currently a CISO, uh, more in the healthcare space. Uh, Arielys Backrack. He uh, he was an OG. Security mentor, and I remember him testing me. He wouldn't let me in the security lab until I broke the like lock, and it was a five-digit combo. And it's it's one of those things where he he trained me in a way um, that it instilled a blueprint on me. I think there's a lot of folks in the security space that may not want to be in it, and uh, he found a good model to make sure that you really wanted to be in it and mm-hmm. I've taken a little bit of the tidbits, not as hardcore. Um, I don't throw like stress balls at people and explain it's a UDP attack, but <laughs> um, it's still a great way to trust but verify. And I really appreciated that, that about him and uh, kind of the great and the opportunity that it led me to transition over to J.P. Morgan Chase uh, as an information security analyst where I was in their corporate inner group. Uh, I was like, mid-twenties, uh, on the front lines of everything web. And a lot of folks didn't understand HTML5, uh, application security. Uh, I was the first dude to do static analysis there when it was Ounce Labs. And then uh, IBM bought them, and I met one of the, the amazing people, Bruce Mayhew, who created Webgoat. Uh, and it's, it's one of these full circle things. I started partnering with a lot of people that I didn't realize that I was going to be working with for the rest of my career at that point, uh, especially in software security. Spent about two years there, uh, jumped over to this wonderful financial organization called Capital One. Uh, yes, they've had a breach this year. Um, <laughs> stuff like I'll just leave that there. But for me, the journey was I joined as a manager uh, and I left as a director and I had been invested in as a human being, as much as I put in into that organization. It was a top 10 financial when I joined. It was a top five when I left. And I can tell you, it just fosters such a positive environment of if you believe, or if you're given an opportunity, your talent, your opportunity will meet and your fate of like what your career can be, uh, will let you get there. And, uh, after that, uh, there, there was a time period for me where I transitioned over to target, spent about a year there, Uh, bootstrap this thing called product security. Uh, There's still amazing people running the program now. Uh, My time there in the Midwest was short, but at the same time, uh, I was able to connect with two really special people on my book, Uh, Aaron Tesh, who's over in consulting land now helping so many companies do amazing things in DevOps, and Jen Chapleski, who is actually uh, getting out there more with the message of product security, how to scale up AppSec Um, just brilliant. And I was really favorable to kind of meet these people, foster a lot of the early concepts um, and just see them fly. And that's been really cool uh, after the fact. And I don't think that would have happened without going to Target. Uh, After that made the transition out to San Francisco. So it had been on the East coast, Midwest, and now I just had made it out to this company called Lending Club. Uh, I built out security engineering around software security And just enabling a bunch of things for a really cool concept of a company. Um, Really, you're taking peer-to-peer loans and Mm -hmm. you're kind of just making this aggregate of individuals that are maybe stuck in debt and having worked in financial institutions for so long. uh, I can tell you some of the scary stats of how much money and revenue is off the backs of people stuck in revolving credit. And that's something that's a core uh, value for me is making sure people are enabled that can achieve their potential. And a big part of this is uh, that company enables people to kind of aggregate all of that, create one loan. I was an investor on the platform, found that they were hiring and uh, yeah, it was a cool year. I was able to work through a lot of interesting projects, but the biggest one for me was uh, really getting MFA going uh, for all customers because of the amount of potential risk uh, and abuse in a market with uh, maybe lower authentication standards than just banking. Uh, And then the past two years have been just absolutely amazing Uh, at a Series B startup Periscope Data uh, in the data analytics and visualization space, uh, doing everything security. So everything prior to this time had been, if you didn't hear it, AppSec and product security. And now I do everything security. And it's phenomenal. It's just been a blessing to get to this point and have really strong mentors and players in my corner I didn't name a bunch of them, but uh, I think every relationship that you have that adds value both ways is something that you really cherish. And I uh, just as I'm talking, it's nice to reflect on some of those.
0: Wow, I mean, quite a journey you've. It looks like you've worked in many sectors, in many different verticals, um, size of companies, and you you really evolved across the cybersecurity field as well too, um, from consulting to management to being technical. So wow, quite, quite a background there. Um, Thank you. And it, it looks like you're fairly young in your career as well. And you've accomplished <laughs> a lot. So I mean, you know, it it's, it's my <laughs> genetics. Uh, honestly, I get this a lot. And,
1: you know, when I was in my 20s, uh, I think it was uh, unfortunate. Uh, there were definitely certain organizations that I'm not going to say I didn't get opportunities. Uh, but mm-hmm. some of the earlier ones where when you're just young, Uh, I think there's a mindset sometimes around tenure, around how old you are, wisdom. Um, And uh, the one I really mentioned was Capital One, but uh, I was brought into an organization where it wasn't those words. It was outcomes. What value did you deliver when you left today from this environment, this org, this team? Did it matter? And I'm going to be honest, did it fuck it matter? Like (laughs) that's a really important element. And I, I think I've instilled that in myself when it comes to hiring, mentoring, being mentored, like all these things, when we think about what that relationship should look like, uh, where we're exchanging our time, energy experience for, you know, honestly, currency, like to get paid, um, having things like age get in the way, uh, race, diversity, name another category. Like, I, I think that's something we, we have to continue to break down. So um, I know you hit it. I get it a lot.
0: Uh, I'm not that young. Uh, I just, you know, yoga, acai, a good genetics, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you started with a great point. So um, we started this podcast because a lot of people came to Renee and myself asking for tips and tricks to get into the industry. And Right there, you're like, how did you deliver impact? So, what are let's go down that train. Um, yep. What are some of the tips and tricks that you would you would give to individuals looking to come into this field, based on your experience coming up in the field, as well as your experience being a manager in this field and leading um, departments in this field? Sure.
1: Uh, before I get into that, can I use an example of an individual that I met? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, um, I'm talking to him right now, and I think we met like <laughs> you know earlier this year. But I, I think again, mentorship and just chatting and building relationship is a really big important part of this. And I, I don't like the word networking because it feels artificial. Um, you, yeah, like I, I've been to events where I know people are just networking, and it's like <laughs> it feels gross. Uh, but I think finding connection is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I'm going to use you as an example. I, I think I wouldn't be here in this moment. Uh, I wouldn't be on a Slack channel with you chatting about stuff all the time. Uh, I wouldn't have time or energy if if we had never met. And I don't know how we would have met if it wasn't for your proactiveness. Uh, so I think proactiveness is a really big part of this. And when I look back at how we met, it started with a genuine, like really nice message uh, from a podcast that I did with the awesome and amazing Carolyn Wong, uh, the humans of infosec podcast. I really dig it. Um, it was the first time I talked about kind of martial arts and security and those two topics I used to keep mutually exclusive. So, uh, I tried to be open, uh, but it was definitely a new idea of bringing together two things that create me as a human being, uh, when in previous roles, functions, uh, and I'm going to be honest, even even the past few, uh, my current one is the only one where I've been 100% honest about who I am as opposed to previous roles where it was more, you know, say Fortune 11 or Fortune 100. I tried to, to isolate as much as possible. Uh, so I'm just reflecting on that. And after I did that podcast, uh, I got a lot of good feedback. Uh, but one of the messages that I thought was genuinely nice is uh, beyond people just clicking connect on LinkedIn, uh, you typed an actual thoughtful message. You know, and I I think that's that's something that always stands out to me. Like if I see a background of a salesperson on like LinkedIn or Twitter or like whatever, uh, and they just say, Hey, good stuff, name title, you know, or something to that effect. I, I don't typically spend the time, I typically won't accept that connection. But if you go the extra mile or the extra just one one little step, and I think you did that by just expressing gratitude, uh, but also just saying, Hey, here's a thing, and then that led into an exchange of messages, right? I think you were at uh, Avanad at the time. Yeah. Um, now you're more dedicated to security consulting in this current role that you're at now. And you're, you're doing all sorts of cool things like this podcast. And I think um, it was fun for us to connect uh, just over text. And then eventually that led to a call. And then that call led to moments like this. Um, so the whole point being there, um, one, you're awesome. Uh, but two, I think the big part is be proactive, uh, find people, reach out. And some folks, I'm going to be honest, there there are people out there that, that won't help, that won't engage, that won't be open. Um, and I get it. Uh, there are some folks that are just uh, the security curmudgeons. Uh, there are some folks that have too much celebrity or too much uh, whatever it is. Uh, but there are amazing people. Um, you know, one of the mentors I mentioned earlier, but. You know, I think a guy that's out there that does it really fucking well is Jeremiah Grossman. Um, A guy that I've become friends with and he's just socially nice, but also just a strong person where if I need advice or anything, uh, plus people I've mentored that were mentored by him by from when they worked at White Hat. That's a big part of it. And he's not one that's going to reach out and say, hey, Chris, you need a mentor. Like, let me let me do all this shit for you. (laughs) Not going to be the case. Right. And. For the people that he had mentored in the past that happened to be on my team at a previous company, having that mutual connect and then being able to talk about that person, even talking about opportunities. Like that's the thing. Like if there are good people out there, good people want to help good people and good people want to foster great culture. And especially in an organization or a corporation or beyond that, right? It's a community. And information security is a very large community. It's a diverse set. Uh, And I think having your own flagpole to put down, uh, figuring out exactly what you want to do. And then I'll transition a little bit. Like I think things we talked about, um, besides being proactive and finding strong mentors, it's uh, having a development action plan. Um, You know, uh, call it a vision board, call it a five-year plan, call it whatever you need to call it. Uh, I think it's just a matter of breaking down what are your top three goals in whatever time period. And then what are the sub goals that you have to achieve to really hit that top goal? And I think when you start going through that process, it will always lend itself to reflection, understanding of why you're doing this, and really getting to the core of achievement. And I think as you're achieving these little goals, these micro goals that lead into the major thing, um, it feels really good when you achieve a lot of goals that you set out for yourself. Uh, but one thing i found that continues to be the case, um, my, my last development action plan that I put together, um, I thought it was gonna take me five years to get to this point, but I accomplished it all in 14 months. And it's, uh, now I have to go back, uh, I have to rewrite everything, but I've still used this artifact uh, to keep myself honest, to understand where True North is, what my barometer, why I'm doing things, uh, but I've used it for new managers. I've used it for, you know, a potential opportunity where Periscope data gets acquired. And I'm meeting a guy for the first time at a WeWork because we're still working through all the details of <laughs> how this whole thing is going to come about. And I'm given four minutes notice by my current boss if I want to meet my potential future boss. Or maybe I make a decision of not joining, you know, and and or maybe he makes the decision of not joining too, right? But through that conversation, through the next conversation, to building the relationship and eventually finding the right point in time to say, hey, Leon, Leon Gendler, VP of R&D at SciSense," I'm just like, here's who I am. I'm going to hang this shingle out. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm not asking for anything specific. But typically when I present this thing, it's not my resume of what I've done. It's where I'm going. It's Mm -hmm. what I'm doing. It's like what I want to do. And it seems to happen every time. Once again, good people that that you relate to, uh, good people like, I respect the shit out of this guy. And in that moment of presenting that document, it happens. He literally says, this is interesting. I've not seen anyone put something like this together. Uh, How can I help? That's it, Yeah. Yeah, right? I'm able to weave the craft of the story of what I'm doing and where I'm going. And again, a lot of people will see and say, wow, you took the time to think about it, Chris. Great. I think I know a person that can help you with the podcast or a person that you could talk to, maybe a person out in D.C. that is looking for a person just like you for your next gig. Like those are the things where if you're articulate enough as opposed to, hey, I want to be a pen tester. <laughs> what does that mean? Right. And, and that's that's a different story today than it was 10 years ago. So I think those are my key points. It's like one, uh, find strong mentors that will help you with some of these things, but actually define
0: the why behind what you're doing. And to the last point you mentioned about um, telling your story, I recently did a post on it, or a short video on it as well, of being your own talent advocate. don't don't go to potential employers and tell them what you used to do. Tell them what you love doing and how you can help solve their problems because, they can look at your resume and see what you used to do, but they want to see what value you'll bring to them. They might have other people that used to do that, but if they don't have the ambition to solve their business problems, they're not going to be as good as you.
1: I think it's a great point um, to me, like that that resonates really deeply inherently with me. And uh, I'm thankful I spent, you know, two years in consulting uh, just being rented out to whoever was the <laughs> top bidder to do all sorts of crazy security work. But You get in that mindset because what you did, it it creates who you are, right? And and I think that's why the rate that you ask for or even the time that you spend with people um, is really important about why. And the why really comes back to you're not paying for 30 minutes of Chris's time. You're paying for 10 years of experience and all this effort and all these examples. But you know what? He doesn't need to explain all of that because unless there's a contextual story that matters – or something that is relevant, there's no need to surface that. It's about Mm -hmm. what impact, what value am I bringing to the table? And you know what? Contextually, you're going to run through your list of your thought processes. uh, You're going to make it custom to them. And you're going to make sure that they have the value being presented out as an outcome. And I I think that's a really great point. Um, It's no different than interviews. It's no different than relationships at this point. And that's part of that whole networking or just building relationship thing we talked about. But yeah, I think to your extent, it's just, how am I going to help,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, and I found that to be a great indicator of someone that's going to be an air quote, great leader. Um, how much are you talking? And then how much are you impacting and doing? Because if all you do is talk, uh, I'm going to be honest, I don't want to fucking work with you in any way, shape or form, <laughs> because people that talk a bigger game, uh, but don't actually do the things. Um, and that's why I love being a practitioner. Um uh, it keeps you grounded and so it actually is valuable.
0: Talking of being a practitioner, how would you recommend those looking to break into the field to keep learning and growing? Um, even if they don't know where they're going, what are some of the, the areas that you would recommend that they they check out to do that self-discovery?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's those first two things I mentioned before, like the, your strong mentor in your field or area or vertical for security. um, will give you more assistance in what is, valuable or timely uh, because I think generic information at this point in the security space, look, uh, getting certain certificates isn't always the answer. Um, It's got to be custom to the person. Uh, You know, I'm mentoring a few cats right now. Uh, Some of them are doing like help desk IT work. Uh, The route for them to get to the, you know, the career transition is a certificate uh, because they're like 10 years deep. Right. And then there are other folks that are coming directly out of college or a boot camp um and maybe it's more application development because they can actually understand secure coding uh they can get the training through their company because it's free Uh, i've got an amazing gentleman on my team right now aaron brown who is from my previous organization i was at where we built a security champions program through that uh i was enabled to embed security as part of the software development lifecycle with a couple of other cool people and With it, we were able to harness and identify really key individuals that were taking this training and learning, taking and going and becoming bug bounty researchers at night, uh, actually changing their career path and then having discussions where eventually um, they leave that organization. Uh, I check in with them as they're going through a lot of this change. And again, that's that mentorship piece. And eventually it becomes... Uh, do you want to just become a security engineer? Or are you tired of just being an engineer? And I think those are the things, like as you're building that sort of relationship, checking in for advice, having that custom experience, um, that coaching takes it to another level. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I can't just say it's going to be ABC. Um, I, I don't think that's the case. And I think with the content you have with Breaking into Security, that's very customized and targeted across each individual experience. Mm-hmm. And again, I think all those names across... What they've done will kind of have that same intonation and tone from what I've heard.
0: And from, from, your, from you being a leader, what are some of the things that you do to help um, promote inclusiveness of the community to ensure that um, there's diverse backgrounds, diverse cultures, um, diverse experiences that make up your team to, to make sure that it's the best team that it could be? Yeah, I
1: I think that's a really tough question. Um, I've definitely landed in companies where, you know, sometimes you get stuck. uh, You like the cookie cutter. uh, Everyone should be the same. Everyone should like the same shit. uh, But I look back at the manager and determining how they are building diverse teams. Um, And it really depends on how you define that term. Diversity of thought, uh, race, religion, creed, background. To me, it's I want the best person for the job. Um, But sometimes I just want the talented person uh, that has the ability to learn. And Mm -hmm. uh, I hire more not because of what you've done. Uh, In fact, I, I, I don't spend as much time looking at people that have the best backgrounds, that have all of the capabilities. And, you know, they're a badass because they've done X, Y, and Z at every other company or they found this CVE that changed the game. Like, I value that. Uh, But what I really hold more valuable is someone that's looking for an opportunity. And I think that's where I've been able to find and create fairly diverse teams based on that premise where someone that's looking for an opportunity, 100 percent, Chris, is going to work 100 percent harder than someone that is already qualified, really good at it. And they're just going through the motion. I don't like going through the motion, people. Um, I want people that, you know, are willing to learn and grow. And I think that's the element of creating that diverse team is that you as a hiring manager or a hiring manager of hiring managers, right, instilling that idea that, you know, not every employee should be just purely from the ground up. But if you have a senior talent and that's you and you can instill a couple of lessons learned along the way, you can create opportunities for this person to learn and grow where you don't have to micromanage, but you allow them to ask thoughtful questions and give them the guidance that they're looking for. And I think that's allowed me to. Uh, get lucky and have great statistics with HR where they're not usually too upset with me because it's diverse based on, you know, sex, race, like all these things that corporate America looks for. But, you know, in a startup, uh, it's just part of the DNA. And I think for Periscope, it was one of the most diverse companies I was at. Uh, and I've created one of the more diverse teams now. Is it smaller than other teams? Yes. Uh, but statistically, it's
0: it's still significant. Uh- And for targeting individuals that all didn't come from the ground up in security, how do you, whether from the mentorship side or the leadership side, help them highlight those transferable skills that they might have been doing in accounting or in finance or in sales or in marketing um, to show the value that it has in security and how it will make them even better at their security career?
1: Um, I think it depends. Um, Not everyone is meant for security. Uh, I think that's something that isn't covered as often as it should be. Uh, I think security can be a little bit tough. Uh, there are areas and verticals like incident response. If, if you're an incident handler, uh, you know, your life, your sleep patterns are all over the place, especially if you're the only IR person on the team. What's everyone's expectation? Well, that's your thing. You handle all the incidents and uh, <laughs> that could burn you out really quickly. That's no different than some of the CISO and head of securities. Uh, people that do risk management, it can be really stressful. Uh, some other folks take it in stride. They've built their resiliency, or maybe they're just great at hiding all this stress at this point in their career. <laughs> uh, but I want to be clear that you know you have to figure out that security is the right place for you, because if you're doing a complete career change, it, it could be tough. And uh, my wife's a good example of that. Uh, she's been a project manager for, oh, man, like 10 years, a technical project manager So thoughtful, um, a great person that always asks great questions, but she's a delivery person that wants to understand how things actually work and the why that you're doing it and building solid relationships to deliver. Uh, Now she's at a crossroad of being this amazing project manager, but also with the potential to become a manager within information security. Uh, You know, I'm going to obviously spend the time and energy, and I've already done it, but the question comes back. does this make sense? Is -hmm. this what you want? Like, can you do it a hundred percent because you can grab information and knowledge and learn it and grow. But when it comes back to, do you want to do this? And I think, again, I'm not answering your question directly, uh, but I think it's really important as part of your development plan to figure that part out. Um, And then as you validate that is the case, it'll lend itself to knowing what is the actionable step as far as Going and getting, you know, your offensive security certification, uh, spending time building a security lab, uh, going out and doing Toastmasters, maybe speaking publicly or leading a boot camp. Like there are things that kind of grant a path for you to develop those skills. Uh, but again, uh, as, as someone that hires in this space, people that typically don't have the full background or just right out of college, uh. I'm game if you're game is really what it comes down to, but uh, you can't be faking it.
0: Yeah, well, that that's that self-discovery piece is something that I, I always encourage people to do, whether um, they're looking to come into the field or they're looking to stay if they want to stay in the field. Uh, yep. Maybe they had a, a tough experience or something like that. Um, so we're approaching the end of the half hour, and I always ask the hardest question last. If you had to summarize everything into one piece of sage advice for someone looking into to break into cybersecurity, what would that one piece of advice be?
1: Yep. I'm just going to reverse the order uh, based on our chat here today. So one, uh, make sure that you develop a development action plan or a five-year plan and and fundamentally sit down and think about it. Don't start with that quick snippet of, I want to break stuff. I want to be a pen tester because I think that's not actionable. Uh, Two, Find the mentors that are willing to help and mentors can be spot. They can be long-term. They could be lifelong friends. I got a guy named Brian Orm from Capital One that I will be friends with forever. Uh, but at the same time, like if I have a tough thought and I've done the pros and cons analysis, he's on my personal board of directors. Like mm-hmm. Ty Spano as an individual and as an entity, like the, the, the thing I do is there are times where I just I need an extra voice. And he sometimes just lets me speak aloud. And he sometimes repeats the same words back to me, but to hear it from him allows me to know that I'm making a good choice or sometimes not making a good choice. And uh, he's led me to a lot of my career changes since Capital One, as far as like I'm thinking about this, what do you think? So that mentoring piece is number two. Uh, number three, as you're doing that self discovery, of course, uh, figure out if this is for you, like if you're going to commit be the fucking best at it, maximize the opportunity, make the most out of this career possible. Because if you go half in and you to- like you dip the toe uh, and then you're like, ah, maybe not security, you're not going to make the most possible impact. You're not going to make the most amount of pay back. You're not going to have this thing that is going to bring you joy and satisfaction. Our time on this world is limited. I think you really have to focus on where You want to be in what you're doing. Um, And again, as a guy that looks young, thanks again, Chris, for throwing it in my face. Uh, That's a little older than most people believe. I'm finding it more, uh, you know, as I'm entering my late 30s, like time is precious. Um, and, And that is where you really have to make sure like who you're spending it with, how you're spending it and what you're doing with it is really important. And you have to become a little bit more selfish about it. So if you're doing everything security and making no impact versus like focus in on one vertical of like, I'm going to look at Bluetooth or telecommunication security, go be the best at that because that will lend itself to a lot of opportunity.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're really busy. I truly appreciate it. And I know our listeners are going to have a lot of value from this. Thank you so much, Ty.
1: Great. Thanks, Chris. I'll talk to you soon
0: in the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity. Your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business